could open up your Bibles to Joshua 21. We're going to be reading verses 43 through 45 for opening. Joshua chapter 21, verses 43 through 45. It's good to see you, church. Looking forward to getting into God's Word together with you this morning. Uh, this this sermon's going to cover the section of Scripture between uh, Joshua chapter 13 and Joshua 22. And we're going to read these three verses for uh, opening up together. So open up your Bibles to read or your phones, and let's read along together in God's Word as He speaks to us. Beginning in verse 43. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it. And they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies, had withstood them. For the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Not one word failed, all came to pass, is the title of the sermon this morning. Let's pray together as we enter in. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to read your word together as your children. And Holy Spirit, we pray for your power and your anointing to come and be strong in our midst and strengthen us, empower us, Holy Spirit to do mighty deeds for the glory of the Father. We thank you so much, Jesus, for laying down your life on the cross. Thank you for your great sacrifice, Jesus. And if there's anybody who hasn't repented of their sins and trusted in your finished work on the cross, I pray that they would do so in the midst of the hearing of your word this morning and that they would be brought from eternal death to eternal life. Oh, Lord, because you are a God who forgives sins. You promise to do so to those who repent and believe in your Son. And so, Lord, I pray that you would move in power and open up hearts and transform minds for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is like a, a high watermark, a real mountaintop moment in the midst of the Old Testament. In fact, I I can't think of a a, a higher mountain peak of of glory and radiance of God accomplishing His purposes in the verses of Scripture that we've read thus far than, than this one here. Because this series of verses describes the fulfillment and the culmination of promises that God made to Israel well over 600 years prior to this moment, 
when he first promised Abram that he was going to bless his descendants, and after 400 years of slavery, they would be brought into the promised land, and that they would inherit the promised land. These promises were long held on, long held on to by the people of Israel while they were in slavery in Egypt, and it seemed probably at times an impossible thing to consider that one day they would be settled in the promised land, but here it is. Here are these happy verses of fulfillment and all the build-up that we've had in Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and now here in Joshua, we really reach a mountain peak of mountain peak of fulfillment of promises that were made by God, now kept by God. And here in Joshua twenty-one. Verses 43 through 45. And as we consider this mountain peak, it's important for us to note that fulfillment verses like these three verses are meant, brothers and sisters, to encourage each and every one of us as well. That just as God fulfilled His promise to the people of Israel, and brought them safely into the promised land, and safely settled them there, He also is going to do the same for us. Embattled though we are, in the fight of faith right now, though we are, we are going to see a similar day, and we are going to speak similar words to verse 45. Because when each one of us in this room who have repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus, when we finally make it home safe and we see Jesus face to face, we as well will speak the words of verse 45. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made, not only to the house of Israel, but to me. had failed. All came to pass. That will be the glad and happy testimony of every true believer in Christ on the final day of judgment when they are brought safely home into heaven. And I hope that this message this morning inspires you with the faithfulness and character of God so that you'll be reminded that just as God was faithful to fulfill His promise here in Joshua 21, He will also be faithful to fulfill His promise in Revelation 21 as well. Pray it would fill the hearts of those who are despondent this morning, the hearts of those who are discouraged this morning in the fight, the hearts of those who are grieving and mourning loss this morning, that it would cause your head to be lifted up by the Lord to remember That God is always faithful to fulfill His promises. And He's going to be faithful to fulfill the ones that He's made to you, beloved. To be encouraged as we dig in to this reality. We're going to look at four points this morning in the passage of Scripture. The first point is going to be land from the text. Secondly, rest 
third victory. And the fourth and final point will be faithful God. Land, rest, victory, faithful God. The, the point number one, land, is flowing out from verse 43. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and they settled there. The people of Israel were awaiting a physical, literal land that they would enter into. And now they finally had taken possession of it. In fact, in the previous verses, all the way building up from Joshua chapter 13 and all the way through up to here in verse in uh, chapter 21, if you, you flip through and look back to uh, 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 and 19 and 20, you see a description really of Israel and all the 12 tribes of Israel coming into their inheritance. And so there's just these precious verses uh, like in Joshua chapter 16, verse 4, where it says, the people of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim receive their inheritance. What a great verse of Scripture. Those three tribes of Israel, as well as the other 12, received their inheritance inheritances throughout these chapters of Scripture. They were given land. They settled in physical, literal land. And we get a glimpse as to the reason that this happened all the way back in the very beginning of this unit of Scripture in Joshua 13. And so you look back with me to Joshua 13, we'll see a great verse of Scripture that will just really describe for us hopeful character qualities in our God that will be a blessing to you. Look at uh, Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. So at 21, they had possessed it. Back in 13, they had not. Many years were passed between Joshua chapter 13 and Joshua chapter 21 that we just read. So there was much yet to do. There were kings that had been conquered in the previous verses as we looked at last week, but there were still many Canaanite lands to be conquered. And, and, and God describes for Joshua in this section the lands that still need to be conquered. But what's so glorious about this section here? If you look down at verse 6, it says, All the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon to Misrephoth, Maim, even all the Sidonians, the Lord says this, I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Joshua only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance as I've commanded you. What hope-filled words this must have, these must have been to land on the ears of Joshua who was now old and well advanced in years. He had fought many battles on the battlefield and yet there was still so much work to be done. And even after all of our battles that we have fought, brothers and sisters, there are still many battles yet to fight 
Isn't it so good to know, though, that even though we grow old and advanced in years, and even though we look at ourselves and we see much weakness, isn't it so good to know that our salvation and our settling in the promised land doesn't ultimately rest on our ability to fight the battle, but on God's ability to already have fought the battle and won? Aren't you so thankful that the Lord doesn't stand at a distance from his people and say, you're on your own. Go conquer. I'll watch. But God says to Joshua, now old and well advanced in years, and here is the reason, brothers and sisters, that the precious truths of Joshua 21 come to pass. It's because of this. God himself, drove them out from before the people of Israel. That's why the Israelites were able to settle in the promised land. Because God showed his mighty power and how good he is to Israel. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 12, and this might be a familiar verse to many of you, the word of God says this, Lord, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Isn't that a great verse of scripture? All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Now that is a testimony for each and every one of us here. We are called to fight the good fight. Joshua still had many battles left to fight. But how good it must have been for this man, now old and well advanced in years, to be able to say, God promised me, that he himself will fight for us. And so the Lord fought for them and drove them out. And how comforting that is. It's not just about this promised land here under the old covenant that we are meant to take to heart the promises of Joshua chapter 21 and the fact that the Lord himself will drive out enemies, brothers and sisters. We also see in the great book of Revelation chapter 21, these words where we read, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he said, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God and he will be my son. 
But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The reminder in verse 8 that there will be those who are judged on the final day of judgment, the unrepentant, those who are faithless, those who have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, they will be damned. They will experience the second death and will be thrown and cast into the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death, eternity in hell, brothers and sisters. We should all be sobered by that reality. It should spark every one of us into fresh evangelistic fervor. How can they hear unless someone's preaching to them? And God has called us to proclaim the gospel to those who are lost because God is a kind and loving Savior and opens the eyes of the blind like He opened our eyes. And let us never cease to proclaim the gospel to the lost And pray for their salvation. Amen? But brothers and sisters, look at those first seven verses which are for the church and for God's children to take in deep. It's important to note, just as the promised land in the Old Testament was a physical, literal land, that the new heavens and the new earth will be a physical, literal land. And the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, It's going to be a real, physical, literal city that we're going to enjoy together. We tend to think of heaven, and we think of it in terms of spiritual concepts, and we think of an eternal future of kind of floating on a cloud and playing a harp, and we think, how long could we sing and play on a harp without finally getting bored after a little bit? And so we don't look forward to heaven. But brothers and sisters, eternity in heaven with Christ, enjoying being with Him face to face, and enjoying this glorious reality of the dwelling place of God being with man, God dwelling with us, and us being His people, and God Himself being with us as our God. God Himself, picture this, verse 4, wiping away every tear from your eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Brothers and sisters, the reality of these verses here in Revelation 21 parallel the reality in Joshua 21 of the real, literal land the promised land that Israel settled in, we will also settle in the glorious and ultimate promised land, the new heavens and the new earth. We will walk in the holy city, the new Jerusalem, as one theologian described it, the bejeweled city. The bejeweled City. I cannot wait to walk that city together with you, brothers and sisters. And it's not so far off into the future as we might think. 
And this section of scripture is meant to give us encouragement, especially those of us who are weary this morning. Joshua, after being old and well advanced in years and after fighting many battles on the battlefield, no doubt probably suffered weakness and suffered a sense of having been in the fallen world for a very long time. If you can identify with that and if you just feel soul weary, if you feel bodily weary this morning, brothers and sisters, Take heart this morning with the promise here in Joshua 13, 6b. I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Joshua only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance. So he gives Joshua and reminds him of the command to allot the land to the people of Israel. Joshua, do your part. Do your duty. But when it comes to all the battles left to fight, and as you look out, on the battlefield and see all these peoples left to be conquered. Take heart. For I myself will drive them out from before your eyes. I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Oh friend, where can you apply that precious truth into your soul right now? Where are you seeing yourself greatly embattled right now? Where are you suffering a sense of weariness and frailty and perhaps many feeling the effects of just being in this fallen world for too long. Those days are rapidly coming to an end. These days here, as C.S. Lewis calls it, in the shadow lands are numbered. But the good news is, is that our days in the promised land that await every one of us in this room who have trusted in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those days are going to be without number, brothers and sisters. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first have begun. And uh, just a news flash: you will never get bored in heaven. <laughs> It is going to be the ultimate excitement to be together with the Lord in His presence. And it is going to make the most joyous and exultant moments here in this fallen world seem like nothing has gone by. Point point two, rest. Rest. In Joshua 21, not only did they get land, but it says in verse 44, and the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them. The Lord gave them rest on every side. It's so interesting here, brothers and sisters, but this, this concept of rest is one that's, that's picked up on throughout the rest of Scripture. And you see it from the very beginning when there's a Sabbath rest given by God. God rests on the Sabbath himself, but then gives a Sabbath rest to the people of God. And that fulfillment of the Sabbath rest is ultimately speaking about, speaking about being with Christ face to face. And when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
that word rest, it, it, it picks up on all the weight of all the Old Testament promises where God says he's going to give rest to his people. And it all conclusively finds its fulfillment in Christ and eternity in heaven. What's so glorious is that Hebrews describes the rest of God is that the, the promise of entering God's rest still stands. So even though we have come to Christ and have experienced rest, brothers and sisters, it's important to note the truths throughout Scripture and the already but not yet realities of the kingdom of God that though we have already received and entered into rest, having repented of our sins and trusted in Jesus, the promise of entering into His rest stands. There is a rest that is coming, that awaits you, that awaits me. And we are called, brothers and sisters, to greatly look forward to it. And in the meantime, like God said to Joshua in chapter 13, Joshua, only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance, as I commanded you. There are still great acts of faith and deeds to be done. As we see in Joshua chapter 14, mighty Caleb, now at age 85, him and Joshua of a pair from back during the time of Moses when Moses sent the spies into the promised land. And the promised land was only a hope. Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report on this land. And it says that they wholeheartedly followed the Lord in the midst of the other spies that gave a bad report on the land. Joshua and Caleb were men of faith and their example was held up before us and the righteousness and passion for God in Caleb who wholeheartedly devoted himself to the Lord. If you look in 14 verse 8, it says, but my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. You can see this man of conviction, wholly following the Lord, saying to Joshua in verse 10, And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. And so Joshua set him loose. And 85-year-old Caleb conquered more land. And brothers and sisters, it's a testimony to our passion for God and our pursuit of God, blessing not just our souls, but also our bodies. And there's a connection here that is one that we should all take to heart. And there's battles yet for us to fight, even into our old age and all the way until we get home safely to heaven. And let it be described of each one of us, men and women of God. As it says in verse 14 of Caleb, he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. What a glorious testimony about a man or a woman of God, that they wholly follow the God of Israel. Let that describe you. Let that describe me. Brothers and sisters, Caleb knew that the rest of eternal life, yet waited ahead of him. 
but he still wanted to drive out the Canaanites out of the land, even at age 85. What an inspiration that is. There are other mighty acts described throughout this section of Scripture. Actually, in Joshua chapter 22, right after these verses, in Joshua 21 that we've been anchoring in here this morning, it actually talks about Joshua sent off with blessing the men of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh who whose wives and children were settled on the eastern bank of the Jordan River already. They had now by this time spent many years away from their family that they loved in order to help their brothers and sisters on the western bank of the Jordan to settle safely in the promised land as they had promised they would do back in Deuteronomy. These mighty men of valor were men of their word and were reliable soldiers even after being away from their own families now for many years. And Joshua commended them and in verse 5 of 22 exhorted them as they headed off back to their wives and children. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Listen to this exhortation from Joshua. Now an old man, but just passionate for God. Look at it. He says, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to keep His commandments, and to cling to Him, and to serve Him with all your heart, And with all your soul. These are the parting words of Joshua. Doing his duty as a mighty leader of God. Urging these men who are going back to their families. Who he he might not see again in this life. To cling to God. And to serve God with all their heart and with all their soul. Just because these men had been faithful in service. Up to this point. Didn't mean necessarily that they were going to continue on faithful. And so Joshua exhorted these men to cling to God in the days to come. And Joshua blessed them and sent them away that they might head back. These men of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh are an example to each and every one of us, church, of the call that we have, not just to look to our own race, but also to help our brothers and sisters also run their race And that the call of the Christian life isn't to just focus on me and my family settling safely into the promised land, but we are called to a corporate calling to do everything we can in our power to help our brothers and sisters in Christ also settle safely home in the promised land where they are called to settle. There's a corporate call. It's not just rugged individualism that we are called to as born-again Christians, and as a practical application, let us follow the hard work and good works of the men and the women and children of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh who sacrificed much and sacrificed years away from one another that they might see their brothers and sisters settled safely on the other side of the river. This is an example of really loving God's people and being willing to sacrifice for them. And may each of us take their sacrifice to heart. Oh, there's examples of hard work and good works for the glory of God done throughout this entire section of Scripture. 
But brothers and sisters, it's so good to know that after all of our labors are through, and may we labor long like Caleb, may we cross the finish line into glory, running the race all the way to the end with perseverance, running strong across the finish line and never giving up like Joshua and Caleb and as so many men and women throughout this section who brought these promises to pass, humanly speaking. But brothers and sisters, it's so good to know that after our battles are through, we are going to cross over the finish line. And when we see Jesus face to face, we are truly going to know for the first time what rest is really all about. So you may be weary. You may feel battered right now in your life. You may feel so beat up that you feel like you're barely hanging on anymore. Friend, please, my brother, my sister, hang in there. Rest is coming. These are the days of labor. These are the days in the shadow lands. These are the days of weakness and weariness and discouragement and frailty and much embattlement from the enemy. But remember that God himself will fight for you. He will drive them out. We are called to be faithful, to do our part. And after our part is through, we will enter forever into the glorious rest of heaven. And I can't wait to enjoy that together with you. Moving to point three, victory, victory. In Joshua chapter 21, we read, continuing on in that verse, and the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. And here's this description. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. This is a fulfillment of what God spoke to Joshua all the way back in Joshua chapter 1 is that every place where their feet would tread, the Lord was going to give to them, that not one of their enemies would be able to withstand them. And here in Joshua 21, the people of Israel had experienced the fulfillment of that promise. God had brought it to pass. Brothers and sisters, we must remember that we walk in victory as Christians. We truly are walking in the victorious Christian life. And when I say the victorious Christian life, it doesn't eliminate what I just said about being bruised and battered. Just because we're bruised and battered and exhausted and weary, soul weary and body weary, doesn't mean that we're not walking out the victorious Christian life. Because our victory is in Christ. Christ has overcome the world, and he calls us to take heart, for he has overcome the world. And thanks be to God who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, as 1 Corinthians 15 testifies. You know, it's so interesting throughout this entire section of Scripture in Joshua chapter 13 through Joshua uh, chapter 22 that we're covering today. You look and you don't, you don't exactly see a testimony everywhere of just the faithfulness of God's people. There are descriptions here of where 
Israel numerous times throughout this section stopped short of doing all that they were called to do. Numerous tribes of Israel got to the point where they could no longer drive out the foe. And the scriptures record that they did not drive them out. If you look in Joshua chapter 17, verse 13, it actually says about the tribe of Manasseh in verse 12 and 13 of Joshua 17. Yet the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. There is descriptions. There's descriptions throughout this section of Scripture where the people of Israel were not faithful to utterly drive out the foe throughout Joshua and his time and his battles there. There's other descriptions as well of the people of Israel growing slack in their in their intensity to continue to fight. If you look in Joshua chapter 18, look at verse 3 of Joshua 18. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, How long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? How long will you put it off? You've grown slack, Israel, in walking in the duty which God had called you to. And Joshua exhorts them to step forward into that duty. But brothers and sisters, it's not exactly a complete and total picture of walking in all of of the fullness of strength that the people of Israel should have been walking in. If you look at the bottom of Joshua 17, you also see another description here. You see that the tribe of Joseph, look at 14, in, in, in Joshua 17, 14, then the people of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, Why have you given me but one lot and one portion as an inheritance, although I am a numerous people, since all along the Lord has blessed me? And Joshua said to them, If you are a numerous people, go up by yourselves to the forest, and there clear ground for yourselves in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephaim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. The people of Joseph said, The hill country is not enough for us. Yet all the Canaanites who dwell in the plain have chariots of iron. Both those in Bethshean and its villages and those in the valley of Jezreel. And look at these words in 17. Then Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, You are a numerous people and have great power. You shall not have one allotment only, but the the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it and possess it to its farthest borders. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron and though they are strong. Here you see the people of God being more aware of the strength of their enemy and their adversaries than they were of the power that they had. And I thought as a practical application for us this morning in relation to this sermon, 
How often is it the case, brothers and sisters, for each and every one of us, where we also are more aware of the power of the enemy, we're more aware of the power of remaining indwelling sin, than we are aware of the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We all need to take to heart these words from Joshua, brothers and sisters, in verse 17, and really let it sink into our souls even right now as we're contemplating the battles and the the stubborn battles with stubborn remaining sin that still reside within us. And remember this truth. You are a numerous people and have great power. We have great power within us, brothers and sisters, and it pleases God for us to lay claim to the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and to think not so much about the chariots of iron that our remaining indwelling indwelling sin represent or the stubborn Canaanites that Satan and his demons seem to represent in our lives and We think, oh Lord, I barely got strength enough to put on one piece of the armor of God and you tell me to put on the full armor of God. Take heart, dear soul. Take courage, brother and sister. Let us rise up and put on the full armor of God and take our stand. Let us remember, even though we are very weak and we feel a lot of weariness, that we are stronger than we are even aware of for the fight. And our power comes not from ourselves, but from the power of the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to overcome these things, who gives us the power to kill sin that remains in our souls, that gives us the power to resist Satan and the temptations and the lies and the accusations that he flies in our face. The Holy Spirit gives us power and we are stronger than we know. Let us take a lesson here from Israel and not defeat ourselves before we even get started. Let us look at our lives and see the areas in our lives right now that we are aware of that are just so hard in the fight. And let us take fresh heart because as Joshua said to the people of Israel, you have great power. You have great power. Now let us go forth and let us conquer the chariots of iron and the Canaanites that sit in them, and let it be to the glory of God that we do so. We are walking in victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news is, is that the Israelites, even though they didn't drive out all the foe, even though they put off going in, even though they grew older, listen to this, brothers and sisters, God was not hindered in fulfilling His promises to them though they were weak and though they were sinful. Even though they were weak and even though they were sinful and even though they doubted God and they doubted the power of God from within them, God still got it done. And God still delivered them safe, settled into the rest of the promised land. Take heart, brothers and sisters, and be encouraged. We could put the map up of the Israelites and the tribes settled in the promised land. We see over to the uh, east, there is uh, Reuben down to the south. And there's also um, Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh up on the eastern bank of the Jordan. And then over on the left, 
on the western bank of the Jordan, you see Judah in the south with Simeon, the tribe of Benjamin in yellow right up above there. And then you see a lot, just the way the Lord has allotted the tribes of Israel, lots were cast by Joshua. And the lot is cast in the lap, Proverbs says, but its decision is from the Lord. And the Lord settled his people Israel exactly how he had determined from eternity past. Not one word of God's promise failed. This is reality. This is history. This happened. A people, three to four million strong, in bondage and slavery, were brought through a sea and across a river miraculously. Foes were brought down. Forty years of miraculous sustaining happened so that this map might come into existence. It would have made no sense to us to think that these people would have ever have been delivered out of slavery and delivered into such strength. But such is our God. And brothers and sisters, we can look and say, how in the world is someone like me ever going to enter heaven? How am I in the midst of all of my sin and my battles and how beat down I am? How am I ever going to ever see Jesus face to face? Brothers and sisters, just as God delivered Joshua and the people of Israel and in a promised land, he's going to deliver you, beloved. He's going to deliver you, brother. He's going to deliver you, sister. Because the battle is the Lord's. And He is the God of victory. And I was thinking of Joshua. Though he grows old and well advanced in years, the commander of the army of the Lord in Joshua 5 who stood there with sword drawn at Jericho, he's the Ancient of Days. He doesn't age. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't slumber and he doesn't sleep. He's always fighting on your behalf, brother. He's always fighting on your behalf, dear embattled sister. Look not to your weakness, but look to Christ's strength on your behalf. Because though he is the glorious, mighty warrior, he humbled himself. And he was willing to even die on the cross and shed his blood to atone for all of your sins and to remove from you everything that would have separated you from being reconciled to a holy God. That is the glory and the power and the might of our glorious Savior. And thanks be to God who has given us the victory in Jesus Christ. Amen. We need some of that, don't we? We need some of that in our souls, walking around defeated, walking around like we're barely hanging on by a thread. Listen, yeah, we are hanging on by a thread. It's a strong thread. It's a really strong thread. It's an unbreakable thread. Nothing is ever going to snatch you out of Christ's hands. Do you think really after he allowed his hands to be pierced and for his blood to be shed to atone for all of your sins, that he's going to let go of you now? No. No, He's going to bring you safely home, beloved. Take heart. Be strong and take heart. Put your hope in the Lord. The final point is faithful God. And I just want to read verse 45 of Joshua 21 again. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. 
that is going to be the happy testimony of every single one of us in this room who have repented of our sins and trusted in this awesome Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6, verse 18 says, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Let us all in this room have strong encouragement today to hold fast to the hope set before us because it is impossible for God to lie. And when He promises that He is going to carry you through and carry this good work that He began in you to completion, not one word of His good promise that He made to you has ever failed or will fail. All came to pass. And so the reason why you're going to make it to heaven, friend, and the reason why I'm going to make it isn't because of our strength, but it's because of our awesome God who always keeps His Word. And not one word of His ever falls to the ground. Not one word of His ever fails. All comes to pass. Interestingly enough, that Hebrews 6 passage, we who have fled for refuge. You ever heard fleeing for refuge before? What about in Joshua chapter 20 where cities of refuge were set up? Do you realize that the cities of refuge were places where people could flee to get safe? Christ was pointed to by the cities of refuge. Michael Houdman writes this, The cities of refuge are types of Christ in whom sinners find a refuge from the destroyer of of our souls. Just as the guilty person sought refuge in the city set up for that purpose, we flee to Christ for refuge from sin. We run to Christ to escape the danger we are in from the curse and the condemnation of the law, from the wrath of God and from the eternity in hell. Only Christ provides refuge from these things. And it is to Him alone that we must run. Just as the cities were open to all who fled to them for safety, It is Christ who provides safety to all who come to Him for refuge from sin and its punishment. Oh, friend, flee to Christ today as your only hope of refuge from the wrath of God. He is your only city of refuge, and there is no salvation from divine vengeance except through Him. But through Him, there is safety. Through Him, there is rest. Through Him, there is arrival into the promised land where you will see Him face to face. And as we read about in Revelation 21, He will wipe away every tear from your eyes and death will be no more because He's conquered death in His great resurrection. There shall be no more mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore. Those of you suffering from pain, no more pain. 
for the former things have passed away. So hang in there, my brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes on Jesus and remember not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. And not one word of all the good promises that the Lord God made to you have ever failed or will ever fail. All will come to pass. And that is how you and I know this morning that we are going to make it safe to heaven. If the worship band can return, let's pray. God, you are so faithful. God, you are so good. We worship you and we praise you for being such an awesome God. Thank you for saying that you yourself will drive out the enemy from us and from our midst. God, indeed, you have already redeemed us from hands that were too strong for us. And God, even as we are embattled now in the spiritual warfare that each of us are in, and you call us to put on the full armor of God, Strengthen us to do so. Strengthen our hands for the fight. But thank you, Almighty God, that the battle is the Lord's. That the battle is yours and that you fight for us. Thank you, faithful God, that you promise that you're going to carry us safely home. And that not one word of yours ever fails. All comes to pass. Lord, we speak promises and don't carry through. But when you speak promises, you are always faithful to fulfill them. And we worship you for being such a faithful God who always, always keeps his promises. We love you, Lord. And we're so grateful to be saved. We're so grateful to be your children. Be glorified as we close in worship now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand. What a great Savior, brothers and sisters. Amen. Let us worship Him. Because He's an awesome, awesome God. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed all came to pass. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness to always deliver on your promises. And thank you that just as you delivered on this promise to Israel, so will you deliver on your promises made to us. We who have fled to your son Jesus for refuge, we can look forward in hope to entering into the new heavens and new earth to walk the city, the new Jerusalem and its streets, all because you are faithful and always keep your promises. We love you, Lord, and we give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Go forth in the good news this morning, brothers and sisters.